This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. The wise man of the Old Testament was a man by the name of Solomon. And Solomon said some things that are so profound. I think one of them that I really like is in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I believe that there are certain things that help to exalt a nation. I'm going to refer to them as stabilizing principles of society. I want you to stay tuned as we discuss these things today, and I, you may be a little surprised at what I'm going to talk about today. But stay tuned. I'm, I want to thank you for tuning in today. If this is your first time, let me welcome you to the telecast. And please stay tuned as we talk about stabilizing principles of society. Now, on getting to know your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And I emphasize this is free. In order that you might know more about the course and how you can receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. The 20th chapter of Exodus is a very important chapter in the Bible. It is in Exodus chapter 20 that we have a listing of commandments of God. We normally call them the Ten Commandments. These commandments were given to Moses from the Lord when Moses went up on Mount Sinai. And these commandments are still uh, relevant today. However, I must say that inasmuch as we are not living under the law that was given to Moses and given to the Jewish people, we're living under the gospel of Christ, we are not amenable to that law today. That being said, there are principles that are included in the Ten Commandments that are just as true today in the Christian age as they were in the age called the Mosaical Age. We want to look at those principles today because I believe that those principles in the Ten Commandments are stabilizing principles of society. Principle number one, if we want to stabilize our world, stabilize our nation, stabilize society, have a deep an abiding respect for God. Notice, first of all, in verse number 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. There's no one that can take God's place. There is only one God. 
in whom we live, whom we move, and have our being, according to Paul. And there's nothing that can take the place of God. Man has his little gods that he serves. Some worship nature. Some worship health. Some worship sports. Some worship knowledge. Some worship popularity. Some worship wealth. Some worship self. As a matter of fact, probably more people worship self than any other thing. But God says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We must respect God. Secondly, He alone is the object of our worship. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. God alone is the object of our worship. We are to worship Him. Verse 5 says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For the Lord, I the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. So God is jealous for our worship. We are to worship God and Him alone. Revelation 22 verse 9 has this statement in it, Worship God. Worship God. And so we need to have a deep and abiding respect for God. We're not to recognize he, that He is the only God. There is one God and that He is the object of our worship. And third, in showing our respect for God, we recognize that His name is to be revered. Verse 7 he says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You know, it is so common today for people to take the name of God in vain. That, that, that now you hear it on the television, they can't even give you the news without using the name of God in a very loose way. Folks, we need to have a deeper respect for God than that, don't you think? We need to teach our children to respect God. We need to teach our children there's only one God, and we're to worship that one God, and we're to revere His name, and to never, ever, ever take His name in vain. Now here's another principle that will stabilize society. Respect the day of worship. Notice verse number 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now the Sabbath day was on the seventh day of the week or Saturday in the Old Testament under the Jewish law. But today we worship on the Lord's day which is the first day of the week. So the day of worship has been changed. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. But the principle is still true. We worship on a different day other than the Sabbath day. We worship on the first day of the week. But the principle is that we are to worship God. Worship God and to serve God, and to have a respect for the Lord's day. I think about a passage in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, chapter 95 and verse 6, where David said, Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. We're to bow down before God and to worship God. And we're to worship God on the Lord's day, the first day of the week. I can remember back a number of years ago when businesses were closed on Sunday. Can you remember that? But now 
Nowadays, Sunday, just like any other day of the week, business goes on as usual because we've lost our respect for the Lord's Day. I was reared by parents who respected the Lord's Day. Now, my dad may have gone a little overboard on it because I was not allowed to shoot my cap gun on the Lord's Day. I was not allowed to shoot fireworks on the Lord's Day. I wasn't even allowed to go fishing on the Lord's Day. He said, son, today's the Lord's Day, and we're going to respect that day. And now that I'm older and I look back, I can appreciate what my dad was trying to teach me. He was trying to teach me this principle, respect the day of worship. And when our souls feel so empty and we cry out for help, worship God. Now here's another principle that will stabilize society, and that principle is in verse number 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth, upon the land which the Lord thy God hath given thee. To honor your father and your mother, to respect your parents. When your parents get into their older days, you need to look after your parents. As one whose parents have already gone to their eternal reward and looking back at their life and thinking about them often, I realize how important it is to honor and respect your parents. Respect your parents' wishes. Young people, I want you to think about this. Your parents have been down the road of life ahead of you. And your parents know where the pitfalls are in the road. There may be a turn in the road. There may be a hole in the road somewhere. And they know how to avoid all of the pitfalls. You need to listen to them. I know that when we're young, we think our parents are not very smart, not very wise. Mark Twain said when he was 16 years old, he thought his father was the most ignorant man that he'd ever known. And he said, 10 years later, I found out that he was the most wise man I'd ever known. And what amazed me is how he learned so much in just 10 short years. Well, I don't think it was his father that he had learned. I think Mark learned. You see, our parents are wiser than we are. We need to respect our father and our, and our mother. I don't have much respect for a person who will not take care of their parents, especially in their older days. We need to respect and honor our father and our mother. That is a principle that will help to stabilize society. Now here's another principle, and that principle is found in verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. That literally means thou shalt do no murder. We, we do not have the right to take life. And I think that that commandment and that principle will eliminate some things. First of all, it will eliminate premeditated murder. It will eliminate infanticide. It, it will eliminate the taking of life of any kind. We, we have those that are beating the drum for abortion. Uh, they, they, they get excited about maybe a dog being abused or some other animal being abused. 
but thinking nothing about the taking of the life of a little child. Thou shalt not kill. You do not do murder. It is wrong. You know what I think about when I hear people that are trying to defend the taking of life like that? I think about the fact that one day they're going to stand before God on the day of judgment. And their life will be examined. And things then will be seen as they really are, not as we thought they were going to be. And they're going to answer before God for the taking of life. We live in a world where life has become seemingly so cheap. We hear of shootings, mass shootings. We hear of people being killed uh, every weekend uh, in various cities around the world. I have an app on my telephone. And every time there's a shooting in our community, it pops up. And there's one every day somewhere. People taking the lives of others. But you see... If we go back to the Bible and we take this principle that life is sacred, that it is God who gives us life, it is in Him that we live and move and have our being, then that's, that principle will make society a better society. Here's another law of God that we need to respect that will stabilize society. And, and it's in verse 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Adultery is wrong. Adultery is a sin. It is a sin against society. It is a sin against one's spouse. It is a sin against one's soul. It is a sin against the God of heaven. When we sin, we sin against God. But adultery is so commonplace now, it's been almost galvanized into respectability. But if we want to stabilize our society, we want to make our world a better world, here's a principle to abide by. Respect God's law of purity. The Bible says that God hates sin. And he hates all sin. Read Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. And he hates the sin of fornication and adultery. Any sexual sin, any sexual perversion, God hates that sin. Now, he, he loves us enough that he's willing to forgive us when we repent of it, but God hates our sins. Now, here's another principle that will help to stabilize society, and that's found in verse number 15. Thou shalt not steal. Oh, this is something that we need to really t be teaching in our world today. Thou shalt not steal. People steal in various and sundry ways. Sometimes there are young people that figure out ways that they can cheat on an exam at school. That's stealing. That's stealing. Sometimes there's a person that will be working at, for some business and, and they will sort of start dipping down into the till and, and slipping a little money in their pocket. That's stealing. It is wrong. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28, Paul said, Let him that stole 
steal no more. Stop your stealing. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, that which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. So stop our stealing, stop cheating, and be, be honest with God and be honest with yourself. So this principle will stabilize society as well. Now here's another one. It's in verse number 16. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Now how do you bear false witness? Well, one way is just not telling the truth or telling lies. There was a little boy by the name of Willie. And Willie was bad to stretch the truth. He would tell little lies. And one day his mother said to him, Now, Willie, if you don't stop telling these little lies, Willie, there's a man that lives on the moon who's come, going to come down and get you and take you back up to the moon to live with him. It makes me wonder, where did little Willie learn to lie? We need to be honest with our children. We need to be truthful. But then you can bear false witness in a number of ways by unjust criticism. We need to watch our tongues. You know, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about people that would be critical of other people. To, to me, it's, it, it has some humor to it. He said, now why are you beholding the little speck of dust that's in your brother's eye when you've got a stick of stove wood stuck in your eye or a two-before in your eye? He said, that's not what it says. You go back and read it. Matthew 7, 1 through 5, that's what he means. You just imagine a man that has a stick in his eye and you have a little speck of dust in your eye and I come over there and I said, let me get the speck of dust out of your eye. And Jesus said, you're just a hypocrite. He said, the first thing you need to do is you need to get the moat out of your eye and then you'll see, you'll see the, the, the stick out of your eye and then you'll see clearly to get the speck of dust out of your brother's eye. And, and so we can, when we're all, always critical of people, an unjust criticism. Now there's a place for constructive criticism, but sometimes we are so, have tongues that are so razor sharp that they cut and hurt other people. We need to think about that. Another way that we can bear false witness is by being a gossiper. Have you ever seen one? Do you know one? So someone that goes around telling things that they ought not tell about other people. I had a woman say to me one day, and she was telling me about something that was going on, and, and she said to me, she says, well, now, that, that, that's not gossiping, is it? I'm telling you the truth. Well, the fact is she was gossiping. Well, I said, you know, if you, were not, if you were not telling the truth, not only would you be gossiping, but you'd be lying as well. You see, the Bible teaches that we ought to guard our tongues and be careful what we say about other people. Leviticus 19, 16 says, Thou should not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. And there are people that love to carry tales. They love to say things. And most of the time, they don't even know the facts that are involved in those things. But that's one way that we sin. And then we can tell 
half-truths, and that's wrong. So some people tell just enough truth to get your attention. We need to learn to control our tongue. And if you can control that little member of your body, according to James chapter 3, then you can control the rest of your body. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now here's that stabilizing principle of society. Respect the power of the tongue. Respect the power of the tongue. Here's another one, and that is respect Jesus' teaching about things. And that's in verse 17. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not covet. What does it mean to covet? Well, it just means to have an inordinate desire for something that belongs to another, and you have a desire to have it. Sometimes there are those that desire to have it, and sometimes there are those that really don't want you to have it, and they're envious of you because you have it. But it is wrong to be a covetous person. It is wrong. It is a sin to be a covetous person. In Luke 12 and 15, Jesus said, Take heed and beware. That's a double-barrel warning if I ever heard one. Jesus said, Take heed and beware of what, Jesus? Of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. And then from verse 15 to verse 21, he talked about a rich farmer. And this farmer had so much produce, he didn't know where to put all of that produce. He said, what I'm going to have to do is tear down the barns that I have, build bigger and better barns. He's going to go into the construction business, building better barns for himself. And he said, that's where I'm going to put all of my fruits and all of my goods, and I have goods laid up for many years. This man was so covetous. And another word that describes a covetous person, I think, is the word stingy. They don't want to share with other people. This man never thought about the people in the community where he lived that he could help with all of what he had. He was thinking only about himself. And Jesus said to that man, This night your soul will be required of you. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And then Jesus closed that by saying in verse 21, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now the principle is we ought not to be a covetous person. I know of people that get all excited about the Ten Commandments. If, if they're on some public wall and then someone uh, opposes that and the, those commandments have to be taken down and, or maybe they're in the courthouse, maybe some other public building and we get all up in arms because they've made us take down the Ten Commandments. 
where the principles of the Ten Commandments need to be are in our hearts. Think what a different world it would be if we started living by those principles. The principle of having a greater respect for God. By the principle of respecting the day of worship, the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. The principle of having a respect for our parents. Their parents that are not taken care of adequately when, chi- when they get old. If we would start having a greater respect for life. Do you know how many millions of children would still be alive today if their parents had had a respect for human life? Millions of them. And then we need to have a respect for the law of purity and to keep ourselves pure. To respect the property of others. To respect the power of the tongue. To respect Jesus' teaching about things. Things. We are so things conscious in our world. If we had those principles deeply ingrained in the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of this earth, our world would be a better world indeed. These are what we call the Ten Commandments. I want to emphasize again, we're not living by the Old Testament law, but the principles are of the Old Testament and those Ten Commandments are just as applicable today as as they were in the days of Moses. That is, we're to respect God and respect the day of worship and so on. Today we live under the New Testament. We live under the gospel of Christ, and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16. And the gospel must be obeyed if we would go to heaven one day, 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 through 9. And we obey the gospel as a believer in Jesus Christ, by repenting of our sins, confessing that we believe, and submitting to baptism for the remission of our sins. I want to thank you for watching today. And may in the closing moments, may I give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Also, right now, don't hesitate. Pick up the telephone right now and call for the free Bible correspondence course. Or write the number down and call later if you have to. But call for it. Or if you prefer, you can take this course online. But whatever you do, join in with hundreds and hundreds of other people who are studying the Bible in this method. I want to thank you for watching, getting to know your Bible today. Please tell someone else about it. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you as my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.